today uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into our message. We're in foundations, which just to give you like a quick synopsis, uh, our foundation series is um, it, it's part of our our next steps track here as a church, a, a discipleship track to help people follow Jesus. And uh, we are teaching through our foundations uh, curriculum basically that we are gonna be launching in our church. And so we're really excited about it. And uh, what it is, it's, it's exactly what it says. It's foundational teachings about what it means to be a Christian and um, and, and how we, we kind of teach through those things. What's salvation? You know, what is prayer? What is worship? All of these things. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's actually, I think three weeks ago now, we've had picnic and then we had Josh in last week. And so three weeks ago, we talked about the church. Uh, we talked about what is the church. We talked about who is the church. And we also talked about order in the church. What does order in the church look like? And that was church part one. So this is church part two. So if you missed church part one, I would highly encourage you to go back to YouTube or whatever and, uh, and watch that message to kind of get both the, the both and about the church. And um, the church is a, is a big subject and we're giving two weeks to it. Um, and there's a whole lot more to be said about that, just like anything else. But this is sort of like, again, this is sort of our summary of, of what the church is, who the church is. And uh, today we're gonna be talking about church part two, what is the fellowship of believers? All right, so when I said fellowship of believers, many of you, it's, you know, it immediately went to like Lord of the Rings or something like that, you know? It's like the only time you ever hear the word fellowship. It's either fellowship in regards to Lord of the Rings or it's fellowship like the buffet line in the fellowship hall. You know, you grew up at church with that old macaroni and cheese, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like the green bean casserole thing with like the, the crispies on top. You know, like when you, when you hear fellowship, that anybody, fellowship, green bean casserole, anybody? Okay, y'all grew up in church, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Those are the good old days, man. We should try, we, you know, next time, instead of donuts, we're gonna do some good old green bean casserole. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Get some rolls in here. Do the whole Lambert's thing, just start throwing. No, we ain't doing that. We ain't doing that. Um, but what is the fellowship of the, hey, some of y'all need to loosen up, man. Some of y'all, that was some good humor right there and you didn't even crack a smile. Man, all right. But um, so, you know, as people, I, I kind of want to start this conversation with, with this, this idea. As people, uh, we gather together in, in groups like this, but for, uh, in a lot of different groups for a lot of different reasons, all right? I, one thing that I think is always interesting is how people love to get together. Uh, I was at a concert last night and, and just, you know, I don't know how many thousand people or whatever there and just a big, big concert and everybody got there and, and, and there's just, there's energy, there's excitement. You know, everybody's there to see a band. And I mean, think about football stadiums, right? I mean, why don't people just, why do people still go to the games? Why do people still go to concerts? They can just watch it on YouTube. They can just watch it on TV. Why? They want to get together. There's, some, there's, there's something about gathering together with other people that's exciting. And here's what happened. Whenever we, this is what happens. When we gather together with people centered around a certain thing, whether it's football or you know, music, or you go to the gym, it's about exercise, whatever it is. Whenever you gather together with other people, your affection, okay? Your affection for those people or for the, the activity and, and your affinity for those things increases, all right, I went to a concert last night. Really, I'd never heard the band much before. And now, guess what? I'm a fan. 
They were amazing. And I'm like, man, I want to listen to more of their music, right? My appreciation for their talent and, and for even like the culture of the people that were there. It was, you know, it was a little bit different vibe. And I'm like, it, that's what happens whenever you gather together with people around anything. Your interest grows about the culture of what's going on. Your interest grows about what's happening in that gathering. And it's no different with the church. As the church, we our gathering centers around Jesus. Okay, we, we talked about who the church is and how we are, we are the church because of our faith in Jesus. And so when we gather, ultimately it's centered around, we are brought together by Jesus. And so whenever we gather together in you know, settings like this and in groups, even just friends getting together to hang out and have dinner together, any of those settings, our affection and our affinity for, for one another and for Jesus increases. And so that's why the decision of whether to be a part of those types of gatherings or show up is such a big deal. Because what we show up to, our interest, our, 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 our desires, our, our tastes for certain things gravitates that direction. And so we can't take lightly the decisions that we make on a week-to-week -week basis of who we hang out with, what things we go to, even whether or not to be a part of a church or to go to church, right? Those decisions speak about priorities in our life and ultimately leads to the, the things that we potentially desire, but it changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we think. I don't know about you guys, but every time that I come to church and I hear someone teach and I worship or gather together to, to pray, I'm changed. I leave different. I might not be like 100%, you know, different, but I'm, I'm something about my soul is, is changed. It's tweaked. My perspective and things has changed. That, those, those are the types of things that happen whenever we gather together. And, uh, you know, this is why in our mission statement, we say that we exist to build Christ-centered communities that help people to, to know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what we do. We wanna build Christ-centered communities, times where people come together like this in order for our affection and our affinity to grow for one another, but also for Jesus. And so uh, the church gathers in buildings and in homes. Uh, there's informal gatherings, there's formal gatherings, and, uh, and we do what's called fellowship. And again, that word for some of you seems kind of old, maybe old school or kind of strange. And, but this word fellowship, it's... Uh, it's different than just hanging out. I think when some people think of fellowship, fellowshipping, it's just simply hanging out. We're gonna to learn today that it's much different than that. Actually, it's one of the four things the church does when it gathers, and it's mentioned in Acts chapter two, uh, verse 42. We actually read this scripture, and we're gonna read some more scriptures in Acts chapter two. Again, Acts chapter two is where the church is birthed, where the church starts, right? But it says uh, in 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about the word, we've talked about communion, we've talked about prayer, and today we wanna talk about this word, fellowship. So let's start with this. What is fellowship? What is fellowship? And, and really, this, with this question, I want you to think every question that we ask today, not just fellowship, but what is biblical fellowship? Because people fellowship, sometimes they call it fellowship, but what does biblical fellowship actually mean, right? Well, uh, biblical fellowship is, uh, again, found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. That Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. 
And it means to, uh, to partner. It means participation and, uh, or sharing in common. And so this is sort of the way that we define it. Fellowship is not a casual relationship, but a spiritual bond that is rooted in the love of Christ and sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual bond. Okay, that's, that's what that's what a fellowship is. It's, so again, it's not just hanging out. It's not just a general friendship. It's a spiritual bond that's rooted and anchored in Christ. We are the, a, a fellowship because of our faith in Jesus. And that fellowship is, is a spiritual bond that's held together, sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Acts 2 gives us a good picture of what this looks like, how this kind of plays out. So I wanna read you a few verses of scripture uh, same chapter, chapter two, verse 44. And all who believed were together. Those who believed in Jesus, they were together. There was a proximity that they had and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. The fellowship looked like it was sacrificial giving in their fellowship, right? And day by day, attending the temple together, Come on, that's the, that's the large gathering, attending the temple together and breaking bread, which speaks to meals, that they would have meals together and they would have the Lord's Supper together. Uh, breaking bread in their homes. Come on, there's some smaller gatherings there. There's your hospitality, right? The results of these things is that they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. Come on, look, the, the, the proper fellowship of the believers brings glory to God. And having favor with all the people, look, whenever the people of God operate properly together, it glorifies God and the world takes notice, right? The world sees that type of unity and, and they see, man, there's something different about those people. And the Lord then added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So through the way that the church was operating, through this fellowship, God grew his church by adding new converts to this thriving fellowship of believers. That sounds like a healthy church, doesn't it? That sounds like a healthy community of people. They care for one another. They, they have all things in common. They're sharing with one another. Man, look, they're inviting one another into their homes. They're eating together. Eating is a very spiritual thing that you can do with someone, by the way. Come on, gathering together to eat. There's all this going on. And so... Here's the deal. When it comes to Acts chapter two, a lot of people, whenever they read Acts chapter two, they see what the church is doing and, and they, they sort of look at it as a prescription of how church is supposed to look and be and, and like line by line, rather than seeing it as a description of the elements that a healthy church has. And I say that because for a lot of people, um, especially in our, in our culture nowadays, there's a, there's a strong desire to go back to the original, what the church looked like originally. And I'm right there with you. And so many people are like, okay, what did they do? All right, they, they, uh, they were together. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds. To, and they're like, okay, we need to do all of these things exactly how we picture it happening, happening in Acts chapter two. It's very prescriptive rather than descriptive of what the people of God do and how these elements should be operating in the church. And so whenever we read this as a church, Northwood Church, we read things like they met at the temple, right? 
That's, this is what we're doing right now. This is a large gathering, meeting at the temple, right? There, there, there's large gatherings of people. Another gathering is, is, it's a larger gathering, is nights like Wednesday nights, a prayer night. And, you know, when it comes to these gatherings, again, every time that we gather, our affection, our affinity, our, our, our understanding for God and his people increases. And so the less that we gather, the less that that grows in our life. And the more that we gather, the more that that grows in our life. It's, it's very simple. We can see that happen in any other area of our life. But sometimes when it comes to gathering together as the church, unfortunately, it becomes a thing to check off a box, right? It's like the got that task completed for the week. And, and then over time, we can begin to lose the, the value of gathering together and it happens less and less. And then, you know, nowadays we have the online option. You know, if, if we had a late Saturday night, whoo, mm. yep, today's an online week. You know what I'm saying? Uh, had a long week. Look, I had a long, I didn't get to bed till like almost two last night. Like I, I understand it being a, a late nights, but guess what? You gather together as the people of God. And whenever you're there, you're filled with life, you're filled with faith. And you've got to remember that. Look, if you've been saved, if you've been in church for a long time, especially if you were raised up in church, this right here and other settings like this, you could begin to take for granted. Anybody been there before? You could begin to take it for granted. And the scripture is, is calling us to, and reminding us that it matters whenever we gather, but meet at the temple, services like this. Again, prayer nights. I wanna encourage all of you. There's so many of you, you know, there's a lot of leaders too. Like, there's so many of you that, that never make it to Wednesday night prayer. And I, I, wanna, I wanna lovingly with a smile on my face encourage you <laughs> about prayer. There are things that happen whenever we gather together for our prayer meetings that don't happen in this room on Sunday mornings. And there's a whole nother type of gathering that you're not experiencing. And uh, I'm not trying to coerce you to get there. I really want it for you. And to, to gather together, to pray, to meditate, to, to pray with the people of God and, uh, and, and watch God you know, do some things in your life. But, but what happens, man, you know, hey, I get it. There's work. I get it, the kids got the homework, you know what I'm saying? There's just, their stuff. But what I do know is that we make time for what we want to do. You know what I'm saying? Softball, soccer, gym, food, 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 right? <laughs> we, we make time for the things that we want to do. And, and sometimes we, it, it, there's certain things that begin to feel optional. And listen, hey, I get it. We're not gonna be able to make every single thing every single time. Come on, y'all. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not on that side of the fence. But, uh, you know, maybe once a year. <laughs> Let's just start there. Come on, just pick a first Wednesday night in the next eight months and say, in September, we are going to move heaven and earth. We're gonna do it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we might get there five minutes late, but we're gonna get there. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because there, there's things that happen that I really, I really think that would, would help you. But uh, they meet in homes. They meet in homes. What do we do as a church? We meet in groups. We have, we have groups. And, and that's kind of like our, I guess, more of a, a, 
a formal way that we, we do that. We create, we have groups and, and create environments where people can, you know, get to know people and meet. But even if you get together with other believers in your home, like that's a gathering together. That's a church gathering, right? We are the church. And whenever we gather, it's a, it's a church gathering. And so, uh, so when I read these scriptures, I see they meet in the temple, they meet in the homes, they, they break bread. Come on, communion, uh, uh, groups. We went to Jones Park a few weeks ago, right? That was a big gathering. Uh, <laughs> right, and we ate together, and we hung out together, and we distribute the, the the proceeds to those in need through missions. We do that through benevolence here at the church. We do that through supporting other organizations in our community. We do do these things, and so so we believe that these things are that we do are represented in these scriptures, and they're also represented in our values, where we value people and health and community and hospitality and stewardship, and so so that's what biblical fellowship sort of, you know, looks like, but what are the benefits to biblical fellowship? What are the benefits? Well, I want to just share quickly some of these benefits. Number one, there's belonging. There's belonging. In the fellowship of believers, there's a belonging. There's a, we just talked about it actually a few weeks ago about being a part of the family of God that we belong to the family of God. Psalm 68 says, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. This is what God does. God has a, a people, and this people is to operate like a family. That's the best illustration of what we are. It's, it's not a business, it's not an organization, it's not a club, it's none of those things. It's the family of God. And so there's a sense of belonging. There's a sense of encouragement. In the fellowship of believers, believers there is encouragement. And it's where we support one another in pursuing Christ and living out our faith. I don't know about y'all, but whenever I am around people who have a, a general focus and they're working towards a goal in an area, I am encouraged to do the same. And I actually get better at whatever that activity is. You know, I mean, why do, why do we have coaches? Why do we have teachers? They, they teach us how to do things better. So by being with them, there's a, an encouragement. There's a culture that leads us to grow in that area. And that's what happens in the church. As we support one another, um, uh, in the way that we live, we support one another to pursue Christ. First Thessalonians 5 says, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. How do we do that? We pray with one another. We, we teach one another in the way that we lives and all, live and also like in, in groups and things. We edify one another. We exhort one another. We also do that word admonish one another, which basically means kind of correct in a very loving way. Did you know that you need the fellowship of believers to correct you at times? Like you need that. Yeah, American church, we need correction at times, Okay. Like you do, you, you need people that are close enough to you to, that they know you, that they can see those blind spots that you have and say, hey man, you're, you're dancing on the line right now in your life. I love you enough to tell you. We're, we're in a culture nowadays where it, if you love someone, you won't be honest with them. Like that's the culture that we live in. Like we just want to do nothing but be super positive and whatever comes across as super positive, that's all we're gonna do. And, and like, you know, telling someone that what they're doing maybe is, not, is wrong, you know? Like, oh, I don't wanna judge. How about you love them? Like I love my kids and so I correct them. 
Like the people that are in my life, I hope they love me enough that if they see me wandering, they see me getting weird, that they would say, you okay? You know what I'm saying? And nowadays it's like, don't ask me, don't ask me. We're, we're, we might be losing the, the encouragement of the fellowship of, of the believers. So we encourage one another. Uh, we comfort one another. We help each other out in hard times. Whether that is, you know, maybe it's things like finances or, or you know, something going on like that, a kind of more of a, a physical thing like that, or, or maybe it's relational. Maybe it's you lost someone in your life and there's something about people showing up Whenever you lose somebody that you love, it means so much. They don't have to say much. It's just, you showed up. I remember the people that showed up a few years ago whenever somebody in our family was, was on their deathbed, an emergency out of nowhere. And, and I just remember sitting in the room and these people just showed up 8.30 at night and didn't really talk much. And I felt what it was like to, to be supported. A lot of times, you know, maybe as pastors, we're the one that show up. You know, sometimes you know, like people showed up. That's what we do. We, we show up when other people don't. We comfort one another. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. As we bear one another's burdens, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. And so whenever you show up, it's bigger in the fellowship. It's bigger than just showing up kind of in general. It's like, no, this is the body of Christ operating well. So we're encouraged, we're comforted, we're, and we have a sense of belonging and it encourages us in our walks with God. And so actually, I wanna show you a quick video about somebody uh, in our church who has a story about this. Y'all can go ahead and roll that. My name is Sam and I'm originally from Enterprise, Alabama. And uh, a little over two years ago, uh, God called me over here to Mississippi and I've been at Northwood Church since then and it's been an amazing couple years for me. I was raised in a Christian household. Parents were strong believers. On the way to school, we'd pray. Before dinner, we'd pray. Before bed. I was baptized at age 11 and really did believe in God, really knew God loved me and that I was meant to live for Him. As I grew uh, in my faith and just matured as a young man, you know, I started realizing more about who God was and how much He loved me and the nature of, of God. You know, I would go to church um, all the time with my family. I would have my spiritual high moments, but there's still bits and pieces of me that I was holding back, partly because of previous sins that I had done, um, current sins that I was still living in. And, and just felt uh, like those were still just lingering on in my mind. And it wasn't until you know later on where I got around some really good godly mentors and they pushed me and challenged me and to grow in my faith. I would not have found that freedom in Christ without, uh, without really being pushed and, and being around these godly mentors and friends. I am who I am today because I have chosen to give God my all and surround myself with the right people. Northwood Church has allowed me to do that uh, not only do I have a great place to worship on Sunday mornings, but I've got a great group of people around me to call my friends, and uh, this is a place just that I get to call home. Come on. That's, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. There's, a, there's a, a people you belong to, right? And that's what we are. We're a fellowship. We're a church. We're the local church, and this is what the local church does. Now, there's benefits to biblical fellowship, but there's also barriers to biblical fellowship. So what are some of the barriers to this? Because as I'm explaining this, uh, I, I, I know people good enough to know that you're hitting these blockades of like, yeah, that in a perfect world, that's how it happens, but you don't know my story, right? And so what are some of the barriers to 
being in a community of people like this to being in fellowship with other believers. Uh, the first one is this, bad experiences. Just bad experiences, you know? I, I, I tried it once, I, I, I was open, I, I shared my life with people and it ended negative. You know, I feel like I was taken advantage of or whatever the case is, right? And so if we've had a negative experience in being in a community, especially a church, right? It's hard for us to open back up for a lot of people. You know, one and done, man. Like, that's, that's it. We are, uh, in our culture, there's a lot of conversations nowadays about, about church hurt. And a lot of things are just on the forefront as far as people's experiences in church. And um, one, one thing about that, you know, there's, there's two things about it, actually. One is this. Churches are made up of people, all right? Just like everything else. And uh, there, there's, some very, there's some cliche things out there I could say that I feel are just have been over said, but you know, no church is perfect, right? If the church was perfect, as soon as you walk through the doors, it's no longer perfect. Like there's all these cliches that we could say, but we have to remember that we are broken people and broken people break people. People make mistakes. People do things, they, they hurt people intentionally, and unintentionally, uh, there's a large spectrum of, of a lot of things that we could talk about. Um, and so what happens is because of this dysfunction and, and the, the fellowship of believers not doing everything that we just talked about, the, the wonderful Acts chapter two things, people begin to lose faith in the church and in the gathering of the church and they begin to kind of become isolated and it's very difficult to open back up. And so, you know, I'm looking out here, people watch online and everything, and there's a ton of stories. And for some of you, your story is very, it's legit, it's extreme. It's really a miracle that you're even here right now, still here. It's a miracle that you still watch, that you still, you know, for some people that they lose their faith in the church and it also begins to affect their faith in God, okay? And we'd like to think that that doesn't happen, but it does. You know, if you've been, you know, underneath someone, right, a pastor or a leader for many years and you respected them and then they completely just misuse that, that, that position, it's hard to believe what they've said for all those years and it, it throws you off, right? I get that. And, uh, and so that's a barrier. Bad experiences are barriers to, uh, to being in biblical fellowship. It creates fear of vulnerability. It creates a lack of trust. Even if we don't have a bad story, personally, we live in a culture that doesn't trust anyone. Right? So we're already, already at a deficit, let alone if something actually happens, man. It, there's a lack of trust. Another, another barrier is individualism. Again, in our culture, we're very individualistic. We're very self-sufficient. And so we sort of start with the mindset a lot of times that I don't need anyone else. Some of you, that's not, if the shoe fits, you know, wear it type of thing with this. But for, for some people, it's like, listen, I've been on my own my whole life. I've had to. And so it's me. I don't need anybody else. And, you know, keep your space. Well, guess what? It only takes one or two conversations for someone to feel that in you. And this could be hard to fellowship. 
They ain't gonna be inviting you over for no green bean casserole, you know? <laughs> They're scared you're gonna rip the green bean casserole, you know? Individualism, man. Uh, part of that too is it, it kind of is related to, to busyness a lot of times. It's like, this is my life. Like, I, I don't have a lot of time for other people or other, you know, like I got time on Sunday mornings. I don't have time for like relationships with people in the church. I, I got, it's just my life's filled up. And so there's busyness that kind of, is related to this individualism and it creates these barriers between us and people because you have to make time for fellowship, right? You gotta make time to be around people. And um, I, hear, I hear people a lot of times say this too, is um, I, don't, I don't personally need what is being offered in those settings. Like I'm good, you know, I, I'm, I'm good. And one thing about that is this, and, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, but if you come into a church and you, and you begin to attend a church and, and there's brokenness and there's, man, your, your life's messed up and you begin to receive ministry from the people of God and man, you're in services, you're in groups and you're getting to know people and, and all of a sudden you fi- you're finding healing through the people of God and, and through the spirit of God, right? You're finding healing. There comes a point whenever you are, you're good, like you're doing well, you're, you're functional in life again, and, and, and it's great. And then what happens at that point for many people is they're like, all right, I'm good. Now it's, it's optional. Now I can just sort of fade into the background. Now I can just kind of like show or not show, you know? It's like groups, uh, they were good for a while. Now I'm really not getting anything out of them. Or, or Sunday is it? And what happens is people fail to, to see that they are now to be the one who is going to those other people who are in need. Being a disciple has intricately connected to it. It's part of it, has discipling others attached to it. Being a disciple is not just knowing a lot about the Bible. It's about helping others know a lot about the Bible. It's not just about getting healed. It's about helping other people get healed. Right, y'all with me on that? And, and so, so if you feel your foot coming off the gas in regards to your, your involvement with the people of God, and again, right now, I'm not trying to just say, you know, something to, like, like something to do just like in the church in regards to serving on a team or whatnot, although I believe that's part of it. I'm talking about just helping other people. I'm talking about uh, growing in yourself. If you feel your foot coming off the gas on that, Maybe you're at that place. Maybe you're becoming, you know, kind of, hey, I'm good, I'm healed up. But I wanna wanna challenge you, what does it look like for you to help others? Because it's not just about me. It's not just about, you know, individualistic us. It's about all of us. And so the the third barrier, spiritual unhealth. (laughs) Listen to this. If we aren't actively pursuing a relationship with God, it can be difficult to connect with others who are. Some people struggle to integrate themselves into the fellowship of the believers in the way that we're talking about, right? Being with, because they simply, they, first off, they might not be in the spiritual bond that we were talking about. They might not be in Christ. All right, so, so if we talk, we talk about who is the church, it's those whose faith are in Jesus. It's really awkward to not be a Christian and act like you are one and hang out with Christians. 
at some point it gets weird. It, it does. You have different desires. You have different standards, right? And it's just, there's no jive. It's just kind of like, ah. And so that's a barrier to fellowship, <laughs> right? It's sort of obvious, but it needs to be said. It happens a lot with, with young people, you know, with, with young people. Because you, you, like, you got like your two circles. You got your school friends. If, if you go to a school and, and your friends are like far from God, you've got like those people. And then you've got like your church friends. I, I know about that. I grew up with that, right? You, got, like, you, you, got, you end up having these different circles of friends. And you have those who are pursuing God. And then you have those who aren't. And you know how awkward it is to kind of have to choose a circle at some point? Like, it's really awkward. Like, I had buddies that we were like this. And as we got older, they began to do this. They began to sleep around. They began to kind of do the whole thing. And it was like, man, I, we're on different paths, right? They didn't really want to be around me. I was the, you know, the prude. I was the, you know what I'm saying? I'm the, you know, the... I'm gonna be obedient to the Lord, you know? Push my glasses up, you know? I was the boring kid, you know? Don't take any risks, don't do all that. Yeah, I wasn't that, I wasn't gonna go there, you know? And so our lives just kind of did this. And, and you're gonna see, young people, you're gonna see there's gonna be a lot of times in your life that you're gonna have to choose one or the other. And I'm not saying that you can't be a light in a dark place. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, you need to be, but you guys, I'm gonna move on. You guys get what I'm saying. There's barriers, but the last thing is this, the last question we wanna answer is this, how do we cultivate biblical fellowship in our lives? Cultivate is a word that's really about like gardening. How many of you like to garden? How many of you hate it? My hand is way up on that one, all right? I hate it. I'm really bad at it. I'm not good at cultivating anything in dirt, okay? And so it's bad, it's bad, but I do know what's supposed to happen. All right, you know, the soil's gotta be healthy and then you, you plant it properly. I don't know how to plant stuff. That's why it always dies. I'm like, I go to YouTube, I follow the instructions, dead, three weeks. But um, I don't know what's going on. But you're supposed to water it and stuff. That might be, that might be what I'm missing. But um, <laughs> so, but it takes work, right? And then you gotta weed stuff. You gotta care for it. You have to cultivate it or what happens? The tree dies, the plant dies. We know that about planting, but when it comes to relationships in our lives, sometimes we forget that we've got to cultivate relationships in our lives. Well, we did eating donuts and asking a few questions. Did you know that was a form of cultivating relationships in your life? Meeting somebody, getting to know somebody. And you know what's, weird, what's, what's funny is like, I mean, there's a lot of weird people out there, don't get me wrong, but there's not as many weird people out there than you think there are, you know? You get in a conversation, actually, they're not weird, they're interesting. You know, but we're like in this super defensive, like, you know, oh, don't, don't make eye contact. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm an introvert. Did you know introverts do love people, right? It's like, we've got this idea that because I'm an introvert, it means I don't like people. It's like, that's not what an introvert is, you know? So introvert, extrovert, doesn't matter. <laughs> we have to cultivate biblical relationships in our life. We have to prepare the soil. We have to invest in those relationships. It takes work, it takes effort. But what are the things that we need to cultivate? Number one, we need to cultivate love for one another. First Corinthians 13, be patient, kind, not be envious, right? We wanna hope for the best for people. We wanna trust. 
Trust is part of loving, and I know that's tough at times, but trust, there's humility in love. And First John says that, uh, says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So how we love is, is a di- directly connected to how we know God. You know what I'm saying? So it's a big deal, but we, we love one another. Number two, we serve one another. This is how you cultivate relationships. This is how you cultivate uh, a strong community in a church. You serve one another. You show hospitality. You pray for one another. You share and you give to those in need. You give encouragement. You might be the one that always receives encouragement. Start asking, man, when's the last time that I encouraged someone else? Like, does, does the encouragement stop with me? Who am I encouraging? We serve one another. Jesus is the greatest example of serving. His disciples, before he is crucified, he, he washes their feet, which was a sign of servitude. Like Jesus was not supposed to have to do that, right? The disciples are like, no, don't wash my feet. And he's like, no, like I have to do this. Like this is who I am. And he's like, do this, serve people like I'm serving you. And that, that still rings true to us today. We're to serve people. We, we serve those who are in Christ and those who are not. The next thing is that we care for one another. This is how we cultivate. We cultivate care for one another. We support each other in times of need. You see something happen on Facebook, don't just keep scrolling. Somebody in church, something happens. Comments, send them a message. How are you doing? What do you need? Can I help? Can I come over? What, what do you need? We care for one another whenever somebody's down. You know somebody has, has a need? See what you can do about it. Uh, there was a couple of years ago, there was somebody that I was close to and their, their car was messed up and uh, no car, and, and got in a conversation, and I was like, man, I, I, wanna, I wanna do something. I, I, I don't know how to work on a car, so I can't do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, that's not gonna work. And um, just long story short, uh, someone was able to purchase that person a brand new car. What was it? It was, a, it was like a phone call. It was a conversation that led to somebody that God was putting on their heart to do something great, and, and it, all of those things, all I was, was a, I was just a middleman. And God was able to bless somebody with care for one another in need. Take a little bit longer and listen to what's going on, right? The next thing is that we forgive one another. Forgiveness is essential for maintaining healthy relationships. Now, in forgiveness, you have to be willing to forgive someone who's hurt you. And you also have to be willing to ask for forgiveness whenever you've hurt someone else. It's a two-way street. If you're never wrong, you're wrong a lot more than you think you are, okay? We all are wrong at some point. We wanna have humility operating in our life where we can, we can ask people to forgive us whenever we've messed up, but we also have to be willing to forgive. And I wanna, I wanna hit this real quick and then we're done. In our culture today, there's a lot of psychologists and a lot of things that are, that are going on that says that we are to withhold forgiveness until we're ready. And I understand the psychological conversation of, uh, of, of almost like enabling people, like giving away forgiveness, like it's okay, a stamp of approval. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay. All right, forgiveness is not opening yourself back up to that relationship, okay? They hurt you, it doesn't mean I forgive you and now all things are good and we're back to where we were. No, it's not what that means. So when I say forgiveness like that, I, look, 
you, you need to be careful in relationships, all right? But as far as holding a grudge internally and ruminating on that person and bitterness being birthed in our heart and growing into something that destroys that relationship and destroys all the surrounding relationships, that is not of God. It's not of God. It is a cancer that eats through your soul. And the reason that we are pulled into forgiveness is not just man, we should just really try to forgive because it's a good thing to do. We are pulled into forgiveness. We must forgive because it's how Christ has forgiven us. That is the, that is the standard. It's what, it's what the scripture says. Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. It doesn't stop there. It says this, as God in Christ forgave you. That is the standard. That is the that's the heartbeat, that's the, that's the point. And so sometimes I don't want to forgive, I don't wanna release. I feel like if I hold that unforgiveness, like I've got some sort of leverage on that person, but it never fails whenever I pray for that person. It's very hard to pray for someone and stay mad at them, by the way. It's very hard to pray that God would bless somebody and that his grace would just cover their life and also at the same time remain long-term, like, you, can I just say it? You want to kill them? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Process could take time, but it, it's very, and it also, de, there's degrees of hurt. You guys, you, I can't talk about all the different scenarios here, but you know, somebody that just rubs you the wrong way, they, they say something, it, it's very hard to pray that God would bless them and, and hold on to that, that anger and that malice. First Corinthians 13 says, man, love hopes for the best for people. You know what I'm saying? That's what forgiveness is. It's like, man, I'm not gonna hold that over your head. It hurt, still hurts. I didn't forget about it, but I'm not gonna go around gossiping about it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be that guy. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it go. God's the judge, come on. These are the things that, that take a community like this and, and helps a community like this, a church, any church, remain healthy and grow and thrive. And, and my prayer is that, in Acts 2, whenever it says, and God added daily those who were being saved, is that this would be a place where people can wrestle with their faith, struggle, right? But as we're a thriving community, that God can trust this community with souls and they can come and they can be a part of a, of a good church and, and get, to know, get to know Jesus better, right? But we've gotta be healthy. We need to remain healthy. We need God's, God's help for that to happen. So let me pray for you as we wrap up. Such an, you know, a, a, a topic like this, it's so multifaceted and there's so many things that go into it and it kind of hits us at different directions. And one thing I know though is that the Holy Spirit has a way of just speaking to us, letting us know what we need to hear. And so for a lot of you, uh, you might not only really connect it with one thing that I said, but that's the thing that God wants to speak to you today. I also know there's people here who are far from God and I wanna give you an opportunity right here to respond to God's voice in your life that, that God has forgiven you in Christ. He's, he's paid the price for your sin, your shame. He's done it all. And that's why it's a free gift of salvation. And the way that you access that is through faith putting your faith in Jesus. 
So right now, if, if you're far from God and you wanna renew your relationship with him or maybe it's the first time, just begin to pray. Say, God, I give you my life. I surrender my heart to you. I thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I believe in you. I trust in you. You're my hope. God, I pray for every single person in this place, every person watching online. And God, I pray that you would, you'd build us up. Lord, where there's some of us who have had bad experiences and we're operating out of those bad experiences. There's bitterness, there's unforgiveness, there's fear. There's so many barriers, God, to, to really being the church. God, I'm praying right now. Come on, if you feel comfortable, just raise your hands. Just, just say, God, would you heal me? Would you heal me right now? God, would you do a work in us? We're surrendered to you, Father. You're our Lord, you're our Savior. I pray that you do a deep work in us all, God. God, let us be filled up with your spirit. Let us be filled up with love for those who are, who are even sitting next to you right now, God, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us be filled with love and affection for one another, God that people who are far from you could look at the way that we live and they would say they love one another properly. Like there's diversity there, they're different, but yet they're the same and they're in unity. God, let that be what's said of this church. Let that be what's said of your church, God. So God, right now we forgive, we release, we allow your spirit to begin to do a deep work in our lives, Jesus. We thank you for this church, God. We thank you for this community of believers. God, we are asking that you continue to move in this place. God, in Gulfport and Ocean Springs and Long Beach and, and uh, Ocean Springs, God, we, we pray that you would do a, a deep work in every community. God, that your spirit would rest upon our small groups. God, every time that we gather together, Lord, that people's lives would be transformed. God, we're, we're praying now for converts, God, people who are coming out of darkness and stepping into light. God, those people that we've been praying for, for years. God, we are asking that you begin to do something in their heart, God. Convict them of sin, convict them of righteousness, convict them of judgment. Holy Spirit, do your work. And we will be faithful to disciple those, to lead those, to care for those, to love those that you sent to us, Jesus. That this will be a place of healing, a place of hope, and a place that's filled with your spirit. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.